Amen and amen. This is our hymn of grateful praise. That's why we're here today, to give him our grateful praise. We're glad you've joined us today here in the sanctuary by Facebook Live and by live stream. Thank you. And we pray you feel God's presence today as we worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to stand and wave at those around you and let them know you're glad they're worshiping with you today. And then we'll join in singing together, Lead On, O King Eternal. God of my, you join as we continue singing together from the inside out. Still your 
Thank you. You may be seated. We pour out our praise to him only because he is worthy to be praised. We are so thankful that you are worshiping with us today here in person and on Facebook or live stream. Thank you so much on this beautiful fall day that you took the time to worship with us. I pray God would bless you and your family in a special way today for taking the time to worship with us. Every week there's an opportunity for us to pray. We believe in the power of prayer. I know that many of us have been doing a lot of praying over these last several months, and I pray that will continue, that we as Christians would always be people of prayer. And we know there's power in prayer for whatever's going on in your life today. Know that God is able. He is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so today I invite you to join me in prayer. You can stand or you can kneel where you are or however the Spirit leads you. I'm going to invite you to join me as we pray together. Let's pray. Father, how great it is to worship you. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath through the Spirit that's inside of us as believers that help us to be able to sing your praise. Father, we are humbled by your presence. We are humbled by your mercy and your grace. And Father, today we have come to worship you and to exalt Jesus Christ as Lord. And Father, I just thank you for every person worshiping with us today here or wherever they may be. And I pray, God, that they might feel your presence and your spirit. Lord, today we have so much to be thankful for. We thank you most of all for Jesus and our salvation through Christ and the hope we have through Christ. And Lord, I thank you for our families. We thank you for our homes. We thank you for the car that we have to drive. Thank you, Father, for our health. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for this beautiful place on this hill that we can come together and worship you and praise you. And Lord, today we also lift up so many who are struggling and hurting. Father, we pray for families that have lost loved ones. We pray, God, for Jane Chilton and the Chilton family and the loss of Jim. Give them comfort and strength as only you can give. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful Christian man, and we ask your blessings upon their family. Father, we lift up the debt family and the loss of Larry and ask that you would comfort them and strengthen them, Father, and, and may they feel your presence. Father, we pray for folks that are in the hospital, folks that are recovering from this virus or facing surgery. Oh, God, we know you are with us. Bless them, oh, God, and heal them if it be your will. We know you're still the Lord of miracles. Father, we continue to lift up our country 
that's so divided. And we just pray, oh God, your blessings upon our leaders and bless, oh Father, our country that we might come together and that we would be united and not divided, but that we would stand together on our faith in Jesus Christ. And Father, we continue to pray for your perfect will to be done in all of our lives. And God, we just pray that you would just continue to move in this service. If there are folks watching or here today that have never given their heart and life fully surrendered to Jesus, may today be the day of salvation because we're not promised tomorrow. Oh God, if there's a wrong we need to make right, may we do it today before it's too late. Oh God, forgive us, forgive me of any sin and renew a right heart and spirit within me and within us. And Lord, we continue to pray for great revival and spiritual awakening. And may it begin in each of our hearts. And Lord, we just pray that through this service, your spirit might move through the music and through your word and through your servant. And I pray, oh God, in my weakness that you would be strong and that your voice would be heard and our lives would be transformed. For we love you, O oh God, and we need you. And we pray all these things by faith in the strong and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4, and as you're doing that, I'm grateful for all the beautiful music we've had today, and, and after the reading of God's Word, a portion of our choir will be coming to lead us. Thank you all for being here today to lead us in worship. Begin with verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
you all for that moving uh, message and song, and thank you for singing, and thank you for worshiping again with us today. I always like to share a little humor at the beginning of a message, and this is an oldie, but I hope good one that you would remember. There was an elderly lady that came in one evening from a church service. She was startled to find there was an intruder in her home, and so as this uh, burglar was robbing her, she said, stop, Acts 2.38, and immediately he stopped in his tracks. You remember Acts 2.38 is repent and be baptized, all of you, for the forgiveness of your sins in Christ Jesus. And so he froze, and she calmly went to her phone, and she called the police, the man not moving. And so as the police came and they cuffed him, and as they were taking him out to the squad car, the policeman said, hey, buddy. He said, why, why did you stop when the, when the old lady uh, cried out to you? All she did was quote a scripture. And he said, quote a scripture? I thought she said she had an ax in 238. <laughs> That's always a good one there. My prayer has been over the last few weeks and over the last several months that, that our faith would grow, that our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ would grow. You remember that old saying, no pain, no gain? Well, I did a little research. That phrase actually came from Benjamin Franklin in 1758 when he wrote a book, The Way to Wealth. And he said, there are no gains without pains. Now, there was an actress, Jane Fonda, that popularized this saying in the 80s when she initiated the aerobic video craze where she would often say, no pain, no gain, and feel the burn. She many times would use this statement, no pain, no gain. Now, this saying or this proverb often means that there will not be progress or success unless we go through some suffering or pain. It might be in the physical sense. It might be in the mental sense. It might be in the emotional sense. It might be in the spiritual sense. But oftentimes there is no gain without us going through pain. And if there's one who understood pain better than just about anyone, it would be the Apostle Paul. Paul understood what it meant to have pain. He understood what it meant to undergo persecution and hardship and trial. For when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, he was believed to have been in prison in Rome in his own rented house. Why was he there? He was there because of his gospel message for speaking the truth about Jesus Christ and his love. So Paul wrote for several reasons. One, he wrote to thank the Philippian church for an offering that they had sent him upon learning of his detention in Rome. But he also wrote to encourage the church that they would stand firm in the face of persecution, and that they would rejoice regardless of their circumstance. I love that. To stand firm 
in the face of persecution and to rejoice regardless of their circumstance. Paul not only encouraged these Christians at Philippi, he modeled for them what a mature Christian growing in the faith should look like. And my prayer is today that each one of us would handle adversity, discouragement, and being overwhelmed with the feelings of everything that's going on in the world that we too would grow in our faith. And today, may we be inspired to grow in our faith by first of all rejoicing in the Lord, by rejoicing in the Lord. In verse 10, Paul said, I greatly rejoiced in the Lord that you renewed your concern for me. Now, when he said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you renewed your concern for me, it wasn't that the church didn't care about Paul. It could have been that they didn't know, number one, where he was. Number two, they didn't know how to get him the gift or the offering that they had collected. And he went on and said in the second part of verse 10, indeed, you have shown concern for me, but have not had the opportunity to show it. But his message was that he had rejoiced greatly in the Lord. Even in prison, he was rejoicing greatly in the Lord. Did you know in four chapters of the book of Philippians, he speaks the word joy or rejoicing 16 times. Just in those four chapters, he speaks the word joy or rejoicing 16 times. He's obviously trying to get the message across that we are, regardless of our circumstance, to have joy. That's why he said in Philippians 4, 4, to reiterate, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say it, rejoice. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, he said, be joyful always. We as Christians can be joyful. And as a matter of fact, it's a spiritual command that we would rejoice and be joyful. If he says, rejoice in the Lord always, emphasis, again, I'll say it, rejoice. And if he says, be joyful always, it is a spiritual command. I believe, and you've heard me say this before, Christians should be the happiest, most joy-filled people in the world. And we should allow the light and love of Christ to shine through us. We should laugh a lot. We need to loosen up and laugh more. As a matter of fact, we should allow our countenance to reflect Christ and to have a smile, not a frown. Of course, I can't see your countenance right now, but yet we are to allow our faces to reflect Christ. Proverbs 15, 13 says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful. But heartache crushes the spirit. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Did you hear that? A cheerful heart is good medicine. That's why Jesus said before going to the cross in John 15, 11, he said, I have told you this, that my joy 
may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What was he talking about? I've told you this. He said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I mean, when we have the, the love of God and Jesus the Son, we can't help but be joyful. And my prayer is, is that we would allow, as Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that that will sustain us and enable us to keep on keeping on. We must have joy. Well, I, I came across a funny story that I've shared with you in, in past times, but it's a great story. So be patient with me as I'm trying to bring a smile to you today. Chuck Swindoll tells the story in his book, Life Again, about a lady who had been married over 40 years. Her husband died unexpectedly and she grieved deeply. She became very depressed, kept her window blinds closed, locked all of her doors. She wouldn't come out uh, very often. Finally, one day, she had a prompting that she needed to do something. Either she was going to die in that house of her depression, or either she was going to try to do something about it. And she decided she needed companionship. And she remembered that her husband had a good friend that owned a pet store. And so she decided to go downtown to this pet store. It's a very nice pet store. And she went down there looking for companionship, trying to find something as close to a human companionship as she could find. So she looked at dogs, and she looked at cats, and she looked at rabbits. She even looked at snakes. And finally, the owner of the pet store said, I've got something of interest maybe to you. It's this exotic bird. It's a parrot. It's colorful. And the best thing about it is it talks. And she said, you know what? I would love that. Does it really talk? He said, yes. That's why it's so expensive. It's a real chatterbox. And so sure enough, she bought that parrot, bought this elaborate, extravagant cage, and she took that thing home. She was so excited. She talked and talked and talked. And, and you know what? That, that bird never made a peep. And she's like, what? I, I paid all this money for it. So she tried, tried, tried for over a week, and she got concerned that it never made a, made a peep. So she went back down to the pet store and said, sir, I bought this expensive bird, this nice cage, and you said it was going to be a real chatter, but I hadn't said a word. And he said, well, did you purchase the mirror when you bought the bird? And said, mirror? I don't know what you're talking about. said, a bird likes to see themselves, and once they do, they get more comfortable, and they really open up and begin to talk. So she goes, okay, I'll buy the mirror. So she took that mirror home, put it in the cage with the bird, and that bird just looked at itself and never said a word. And she thought, this is crazy. That went on for a week. So then she went back to the pet store and said, sir, I want to tell you, I'm really concerned. That bird you sold me hadn't said a word. And said, I bought the mirror. He said, but did you buy the ladder? She goes, ladder? said, yeah, bird likes to get exercise. Go up and down that ladder. They get comfortable. Then they loosen up and they really begin to talk. She goes, okay, I'll buy the ladder. So she bought the ladder, put it in the cage, and there... Another seven, eight, nine, ten days went by. That bird never said a word. So she was really frustrated by this time. She marches back down to that 
pet store, and she said, you know what, I bought this bird. You said it would be a companion, that it, would, it was a real chatterbox. And I bought all the accessories. I mean, I bought a mirror, and I bought a ladder. He said, but did you buy a swing? He said, birds like to perch, and once they're swinging, they feel like they're at home, they're more natural, and it'll open. I guarantee that bird will start just chatting away. And so she goes, all right, give me the swing. She put that swing in there, five, six, seven, eight. Two weeks went by, and that bird never breathed or And so she went storming down to that pet store. She marched in there, and that man so said, well, how's the bird? She goes, don't ask me that. That bird is dead in the bottom of my cage. And he said, what? I'm so sorry. He goes, I, I have to ask you. Did that bird ever say anything before it died? She said, well, actually, it did. It said, just before it took its last breath, it said in a faint voice, doesn't that store have any food down there? (laughs) Help me now. Help me, Rhonda. I'm working hard up here. The fact is, we are to rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of our circumstance. But we also must remember to be content. In verse 11 of Philippians 4, he said, I haven't said this to you because I am in need, for I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, he said, I I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And he said, I have learned the secret of being content, whatever the circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or in want. But did you get this? He had learned to be content. Content. It wasn't a natural-born gift that he was born with, contentment. He had to learn to be content. And that's a message for us today, that we should learn to be content in any and every situation. Paul was saying, whether I am freed or chained to a soldier, I have learned to be content. Whether the day is as Extremely hot or freezing cold, I've learned to be content. Whether the Philippians sent me an offering or whether they did not, I have learned to be content. You know what? Many times we as Christians are guilty of being like thermometers. We only register what's around us. And maybe if the situation is pressured and tight, then we become irritable or we become angry or tense-filled. If the situation around us is stormy, then we become worried and afraid. If the situation is calm and quiet, then, then we register peace and relaxation. But many times we register what's going on around us. That's why Paul said in that verse we share often, If you would read on in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
Present your request to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews 13, 5, that we should never live for money. See to it that no one lives for money, but that you will be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Some people look to find contentment in money and possessions and stuff. And you're never going to find contentment in stuff. And we're living in a day and time where people are going to find contentment on whether the person they voted for for president is going to be president or are going to be president or not. You know what? Our contentment should not be based on who's in office. Our contentment should be in Jesus Christ. That's what we as Christians are challenging. We're in a divided nation. We have families that are divided, churches that are divided. But if we would keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, we should be content with whoever it may be because God's will, we pray, will be done. And so we can't get angry at someone if they don't see things like we do. I've said it over and over. We can agree to disagree and still love each other. And I have never stood up in front of you all and promoted a political candidate, but I have stood before you for 22 years and promoted the name of Jesus Christ. And that will always be my platform, that I stand on Jesus Christ. Because when we stand on him, uh, there's nothing greater that we'll always be victorious when we stand on our faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry or living in plenty or want. You ready? Here's the secret. Here's the secret. Write it down. I can do all things or all this through him who gives me strength. The last point, we must realize that Christ is our strength. Realizing that Christ is our strength. Why is it that we try to substitute people and things in the place of Christ? He did not write that I uh, can do all things through drugs and alcohol. He did not say I can do all things through education. He didn't say I can do all things through money. He didn't say I can do all things through success. He didn't say, I can do all things through friends. He didn't say, I can do all things through positive thinking. He didn't say, I can do all things through political office. But he did say, I can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And I pray today that we would lean upon him through adversity, through hardship, through discouragement, through challenge. Paul had come to understand that it was only through God's sufficient grace and salvation that we could experience confidence and maturity in the midst of a storm. And I pray today that you would have that kind of faith, that we would all have that kind of faith. And we know that Paul not only said it, he lived it. Remember, he had a thorn in his flesh, pleaded three times for the Lord to take it away. 
But what did the Lord tell him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He understood that God's power was available to him even when his prayer wasn't answered the way he hoped it would be answered. And Jesus shared this in John 16, 33, and this is becoming one of my favorite verses. And I just shared it at a funeral on Friday. Jesus, again, was trying to prepare his disciples for the cross. And he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. When he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, what was he talking about? Well, he was talking to them about several things. Uh, one, he was saying, in a little while you will see me, and then in a little while you won't see me. He was talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. So he was saying this, don't be surprised. In a little while, you're not going to see me, but then three days later, resurrection, you're going to see me. What else was he saying to them? He was saying, your grief will turn to joy. You're going to be sad at first, but then you're going to perk up because you're going to see that I've risen. So it's going to turn to joy. He said, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. So don't be shocked when you're persecuted for living for me. Just expect it. What else did he tell them? You don't need to let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Those were the things he was saying to give them peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Romans 8, 38 says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We've won the victory through Jesus Christ. And today we do not have to be discouraged. We don't have to be defeated. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to say, woe is me and everything's terrible. I mean, I left out earlier in talking about joy. We need to look for the positives. Quit watching so much news. Quit buying in and reading the negativity on social media and in the newspaper. Why don't you start reading an inspirational book like God's Word? You can't go wrong there. Watch a funny movie. Look for the good. Look on the light side of life, on the bright side instead of the dark side. Look for the joy of the Lord to come into your life. And we know we can do all things through him who gives us strength regardless of the circumstance. I want to close by sharing with you, Maxie Dunham is a Bible commentator and expositor who uh, shared a story about a friend who was diagnosed with an inoperable malignancy uh, who happened to be a pastor and this was in November of 1978, and the friend's name was Dole Masters, and uh, Maxie Dunham shared a portion of a letter that, that Dole Masters shared with his congregation, 
after he found out that he had an inoperable malignancy and that uh, the hopes of getting better looked pretty dim. Hear this letter. The options open to me medically are minimal and at best do not promise renewed energy nor longevity. The other option is to turn this over to God in faith for his healing and ultimate will. This we have been directed to do by God after much prayer and spiritual surrender. What the future holds, we do not know, but we know God holds it. These past few days have rolled over us like an avalanche, leaving in their wake some central certainties which make up my thanksgiving list. Out of the dark night of the soul has come the sunlight of God's love. I am thankful for God who is real and personal, for a Christ who is present in power, and for the Holy Spirit who is by our side in every struggle. My gratitude overflows for a faith that is unwavering in the face of seemingly unsurmountable obstacles and for the personal practice of prayer that brings all God's promises to bear in any situation. My Thanksgiving list is made this year not from what I have, but from who has me, a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I ask or think. That's a beautiful reminder that we can do all things through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit that comes into us as believers. Not long after he wrote this letter in November of 1978, Dole Masters died at the age of 48. But Dole knew what Paul knew. He knew the all-sufficient Christ. And that's my prayer that all of us would know the all-sufficient Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've never met him personally. I want to tell you all, the only way we can get through this crazy life in which we live, this crazy world, is that we cling to our faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've never surrendered your all to him, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for you to get your act together, to get your house in order. We come to him like we are, and he helps clean us up. He helps remove those things that aren't holy and pure. Won't you come to him today just as you are with your depression, with your addictions, with your hidden sin? You know, we've been wearing masks, but... Some of you maybe have been wearing masks for years and years, not this kind. You've been wearing a mask to cover your true identity. You act one way part of the time and live another way the other part of the time. And Christ sees us through the mask. He knows what's real and what's authentic and what's fake and what's false. I pray that we be real with God because he's real with us when he tells us he loves us. He loves us and he forgives us. And all we have to do is place our trust in him. Maybe you're a Christian. You have gotten off track. Man, this time has been challenging for all of us. Fuses have been short. Um, anxiety and worry and fear and, and stress has been overwhelming at times. 
But when we place our trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him, he'll make our path straight. Maybe you're a Christian that needs to come back home today and say, forgive me, Lord, I've been off track. I've not been easy to live with. I've been mad at the world and walking around with the chip on my shoulder. Forgive me, Lord. I want to be a man, a woman after your own heart. Or maybe you've been looking for a church family. I sure love this church. Uh, someone recently said to me, they said, Todd, what my family and I, and they haven't been members here very long, and I appreciate that he could say this. He said, what I noticed about you is, he said, I can tell how much you really love the church family. I said, I do love this church family. But most of all, I want you all to know how much God loves you. And I've never been here to make a name for myself or to endorse me. I've wanted to make a name for Jesus and to endorse Christ. And my prayer is today, if you don't know him or if you've drifted away from him, that you would come to him or come back to him and start afresh and anew. And you'll never be sorry that you did. But aren't you ready, even now, to accept and surrender to our all-sufficient, loving Lord. You can do so even now as we pray together. May we pray. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any folks here that have never given their hearts and lives to you, or maybe they're watching right now on live stream or Facebook Live and Lord, it's possible they could be in a deer stand. It's possible they could just be uh, lying down on their couch or maybe a uh, father on a beautiful day out on their porch or deck. And Lord, maybe in the beauty of this day, they're seeing the beauty of Jesus in the midst of what sometimes can be ugliness in the world. Lord, I pray that someone might pray to give their life to you today by saying, dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, Please forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you, God, for saving me. I love you, Jesus. Lord, if someone could pray a prayer much like that one in their own words, may they begin this eternal journey of walking with you. Lord, maybe there are Christians that have gotten hardened by the deceitfulness of the devil and the world and and Lord, they've grown cold to spiritual things or cold toward their families or cold toward loving their neighbor. Oh God, melt that coldness and warm our heart and spirit and may we reflect the light and love of Christ and stop being angry at the world but delighting in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Or Father, maybe there are folks that would like to be a part of it church family. Lord, I do love this church family. And God, I'm grateful for their love and prayers and support through the years. And I ask that you would continue to bless us, God. And if there's someone that would like to join this family of faith, that this would be the day that their family becomes a part of this family. So help us, oh God, to have the boldness to do what you're leading us to do. We know you've been waiting for us. You're patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. May today be the day of salvation for someone in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're in this place with us and
We're going to sing a hymn of commitment. These front rows are open. If you want to come, it'd be my joy to pray with you. If you're watching somewhere else, contact us here at the office. It'd be our privilege to talk with you about your eternal decision. Won't you come as we sing? thank you so much for being here today and have to tell you that's one of my favorite all-time hymns of commitment is the Savior is waiting because he waits for us to come to him he doesn't force himself upon us you know just like you see that picture of Jesus standing at the door knocking the doorknobs on the inside he's not going to kick it open he waits for us to open it. he has the power to but he waits for us to answer him. And so I pray today that if he's spoken to your heart, that you, want, you wouldn't keep him waiting. You'd respond while we have life and breath to come to Christ. But thanks for worshiping with us and allowing the Spirit of God to be present. If this is your first time worshiping with us or your first time back to in person, we welcome you and so thankful that you're here. None of this is how we want it to look like or be, but you know what? If this is all that's keeping us, you know, from coming, that's a small. Paul was in prison awaiting potential execution, and yet he was worshiping, praising God. So may we continue to worship God in spite of our circumstance. 
You should be receiving discussion questions after the service. If you want to receive those and you don't currently, contact the church office and you can discuss with family and friends around the table in more detail about the message today and how God spoke to you. Invite you to come back Wednesday at 6. Invite someone to come. We, we have a small crowd, but we are worshiping together and talking about prayer. We've been doing a study on prayer. We need to grow in our prayer lives. So I invite you to come. But thank you for being here today. God loves you, and I love you very much. And I hope you have an awesome rest of the beautiful. Get outside and do something today. Don't sit in front of the computer. Get outside and enjoy the beauty of this day. As Bill's going to lead us in a closing song, this will be our choral benediction. Thank you, John. You all sounded good. We could.